0: Hi, this is Rob High with CCW Safe. Welcome to our podcast again. I'm currently in Oklahoma City, joined by Philip Naiman. Phil, you in Arizona again today? No, I'm California today. There you go. So that. Uh, and joined today, I'm so very thankful to have uh, Matt and Angela Little. Um, I got to meet them for the first time last year at the Guardian Conference. Uh, We discussed that last week with Jacob Paulson. And you guys are going to be back. Is that right? Yes, we'll be there. Outstanding. Um, Matt, you've got a a pretty extensive history. Um, So I'd like you to touch on that a little bit. And Angela, you too. um, the, The stuff that you've branched off with, you've been Matt's sidekick and, and assistant instructor and and probably the scheduling manager and everything else, but uh, you're branching out a little bit as well, aren't you? Yes, I am. Good, let's, let's touch on those a little bit then for
1: us. Sure. All right, um, so like you said, my name is Matt Little. Um, we own a training company called Graveyard Actual. There's a story behind the name, there's actually a war story behind it, but it, my background is basically both US Army Special Forces, and I was also a Chicago police officer and, and supervisor for a long time. Prior to 9 11, I went through the Special Forces Selection and Q course. And at the time, there wasn't a whole lot going on for the military. So I went to a National Guard Special Forces unit, 20th Special Forces Group. And I started working for the Chicago Police Department. So I did 21 years there. I wrapped up as the training coordinator for the SWAT team there. That was my last position. And I'm also uh, a competitive shooter as well. And I have a background in martial arts. So kind of all of those things together have kind of influenced my training philosophy and and what we teach. Um, I think it's it's a fairly unique background and I think that there's, there's stuff to offer there you know, for you guys. And I will turn it over to Angela, who is definitely the (laughs) scheduling manager and the brains of the operation. Have you guys ever seen uh, that reality show, The Osbournes? (laughs) (laughs) Basically, I'm Ozzy, and I just go where I'm told and teach. So (laughs) pretty much. Well, you know, someone's got to keep you in
2: check.
3: So,
1: you know. I Um, I need a handler.
3: (laughs) Um, I'm Angela Little. I'm the sidekick um, and wife. Um, I began shooting uh, about 2016. I uh, was really interested in learning how to shoot, but I had never had the opportunity before, and it presented itself, and I jumped on the opportunity. Um, I really enjoyed it. I didn't expect I'd enjoy it, Um, and I really learned that not I enjoyed just shooting for fun, but... I wanted to learn how to train to get better. Um, And it really all started. I, when I started training, of course, the concealed carry and protecting yourself kind of came up. And for me, I took about 50 hours of training before I even considered taking that concealed carry course. I wanted to make sure I was really, really comfortable and competent. And that's kind of where I've branched out now, because I think for women, it's, especially hard to feel comfortable and it's especially hard to get into a range and get that feeling that you feel confident carrying a firearm. And I want to be able to give that opportunity to people and, you know, see what I can offer out there. And I truly enjoy seeing that light bulb go off and having the confidence and just the brightening in the eyes. It just, it, it brings me joy. And part of my history is I also used to teach yoga Um, we moved to Texas about two years ago and I have not, um, started teaching again. We are way too busy with our training business. So teaching people and mentoring people and the mindset that you have to have, um, pulling that trigger if you are in an event is something that you have to be very mindful of. And when I met Matt, um, we had already, I had already been training and it was something that we we truly cared about and um, his background is far more extensive than mine but it's it's truly a blessing that we get to uh, we get to do what we love for a living and and enjoy it so
1: that's, I, I actually met her at a training class that we were both taking
0: so um, see that's another thing that, that's something that that we did an article on. Just a, just a couple of weeks back and it was discussing training and training methods and who to get your training from. Um, and one of the things that we think is always important is, so you're taken from Matt Little. So I can, I can do a little research. I can absolutely verify that this guy is who he says he is because you've got some guys out there that will go. And I was spe- special forces. And then I was on a metro area police agency and I was on the SWAT team. Yeah, I mean if I was on that team, I'd probably give you a little more information about what I was. And and if I was if I was a SF guy, I'd be able to tell you what my what my history and my training and my what my what my tree is, what what I what I grew off of. Um but to figure out where these guys have come from. And the other part of that, just because I have this great extensive history, I, I guarantee you guys have seen it. Um I'm, I have this amazing skill set, but I don't have the ability to communicate that and share it with so much. I've, I've had people, when I, when I was shooting competitively here, there was a guy that really took me to a next level. But if you put him on the line with a newbie and somebody that was struggling and didn't quite have fundamental concepts down, he was lost but he could take a shooter and he could develop you to the next level. I've also seen those guys that can take those brand new guys, but they're not going to be able to step in the corner with you, Matt. And I I say this, I always pick things up from people just because I may steal a nugget from you and that I'm going to, I'm going to grab hold of that and I'm going to use that in my stuff. And it just makes me better. It makes us all better, but it, it's, it's one of those things that the evolution has to always be in place. It has to be ongoing and continuous there. These are perishable skills. So um, when, when we get into that, what, uh, what kind of training do you guys think? What, what are you looking for as far as a civilian concealed carrier? Because their mission is different than a first responder or a military person. So I always, I always want to think about, mission concepts as well but what kind of outside training and and that kind of thing would you guys recommend
1: and and that's kind of a complex thing and it's something that i think people should really pay attention to right because there's there's a bunch of different elements there that you have to include as far as the training goes we talked about evolution of training a minute ago and that's something i think is really important Everything evolves as your understanding of it evolves. So you need to continually like reassess technical matters and training techniques as well as you get better, right? What The kind of training you need to do as a brand new shooter will take you to a certain point and no further. Then you've got to change the way you train to get further, right? What I always tell civilians is that you've kind of got to do the same thought process a military unit does for the training, but your goals are different. Your, your intended output is different, right? So you've got to start with a needs analysis. What do I need to be good at to protect myself, to protect my family, to do whatever it is I'm trying to accomplish? And that doesn't mean that you can't work on other things that are fun, right, that, that you might like to do, but you need to make sure you've got the things you need taken care of first, right? And that's got to be a very personal assessment because everybody's different. You know, if, um, if someone is, is elderly and infirm and has a lot of injuries, right? They should still be able to protect themselves. But realistically, they are probably not going to be the person that engages the active shooter in a public situation, right? Because they just don't have the physical capability. Right. They're better served by getting out of there and, and making sure help is on the way and assistance is on the way. If someone is young and athletic, they might have a different mindset for that. They might have a different intent if that situation arose. Right. But through all of it, you've got to understand that, you know, even myself, like, I mean, I used to be the action guy. Right. But not anymore. I'm retired. I'm now I carry, but I carry more like a civilian now because my goals are not what they once were. My, my needs analysis is different now that I'm retired, right? And basically, you know, as a cop, as a soldier, there's more of an aggressive need. There's, you know, more of an aggressive intent, right? You're trying to solve the problem. You're seeking out the problem and trying to take care of it. As a civilian, it's more defensive in nature. But I, I hate for people to use that word necessarily because you're defending yourself but if someone is attacking you you may have to be aggressive to defend yourself am i making sense absolutely absolutely you know yeah you've got to ramp it up and
2: overcome whatever is getting thrown at you um angela you made a good point you said that before you started carrying your ccw as a ccw or taking the classes for that you were doing some training Well, CCW programs have gotten so popular that almost anywhere there's a waiting list. You've got to go through certain state requirements. California could be three to six months in a good state. It could be never in a bad uh, county. Um, Arizona even has a waiting list for theirs. So I think that, you know, somebody should start the application process, but hey, use that three to six months as absolutely be as proficient as you can. So when you're legal and you can carry, and I know people will say second amendment's my concealed, that's fine. But I'm just saying when you have your permits um, that you are competent at that time, it's not like you're starting once you get your permit, once you get your your deal to go.
3: I see a lot of people um, think that the concealed carry course is gonna give them all the tools that they need. Yeah. Um and um I, you know, I've seen a lot of I've been shooting my whole life, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> um and quite often that new person who is just paying more attention to skill and safety is going to not only advance quicker, but they're going to they're gonna be a better student um in, in that in that aspect. Um but it's 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 really important. I personally wanted to make sure that i was comfortable even when i got my permit it took me a while before i even started carrying um, and then when you get in the communities you see a lot of people well i carry but i don't carry around in the chamber oh okay i don't know why you're carrying then um, and that's another subject they're really fast
2: they're really fast um,
3: <laughs> um, so you know it's 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 there's so many Different aspects and what people think it takes them to get ready, and what their skill set is, and the hardest thing to do is to check your ego and just be honest. Um, I find that women in our classes, when they they, it, it, it's nerve wracking for women. It is a mostly male dominated sport and environment. I would say that with our classes, there's commonly maybe one sometimes, sometimes one to three women in our classes. I found the more that um, I've started to be around and, and be there and be his assistant, there's there's more women that feel more comfortable coming in. And I think that's extremely important. Um, and and if you're not good at something, it's okay. That's why we practice. No one is going to be
1: I see. Go no, ahead. No, no. That's okay. So <laughs> This is important, not just for beginners though, right? Because it never ends. The process of improvement never ends, right? And when I talk about the needs analysis, I mean, yeah, you can say this this is the skill set that I need to have. And you gotta build in a buffer because it's never gonna be the same way it is when you're warmed up on the range and everything's comfortable. So you've gotta have a performance buffer built in. But even with that, if you're gonna carry a gun, and you're going to kind of have this mindset of being a protector of yourself, of your family, you know, whatever it needs to be, it it really should become like a journey, like a a path that you're on. And I think that the way I look at that kind of comes from my martial arts background, you know, but there's there's no end to learning and there's no end to improvement. And not only does that make it honestly more enjoyable, but it makes sure that if something does happen and you have that, that bad day, that you're more likely to be up to the task, right? It's just, it should be kind of your path and your journey. And that's, that's an enjoyable thing. That kind of self-perfection aspect isn't just important for protecting yourself. It's actually something that can kind of give, give you a meaningful pursuit in your life to make yourself better as a person, not just a shooter. I, I
0: like your I like your kind of segue with with the martial arts stuff as well. Um, Matt little started somewhere with a handgun. He wasn't running and gunning and doing the things that you watch on videos or or live in a demonstration when you're taking one of his classes. There are hundreds and thousands of hours that go into that kind of development. I always liked it one one of the guys I I trained with in in the dojo I used to be at all the time his his daughter he asked his little girl and she was she was actually really coming along really well and she was young but he just asked her one day hey do you, do you know what a black belt is and you guys have seen this on t-shirts probably but she goes yeah it's, it's just a white belt that never quit. So the pursuit was always there. You just always continue on and, and get better and they are perishable skills. So that that's a really big deal. Um, outside of firearms, what other things would you guys recommend? Cause I always press on, I know a lot of people get into less lethal and do this or do that. I always pressure guys to, to start learning some retention things. Uh, but I'd like to know what your thoughts are.
1: I think that, studying some sort of martial art or combat sport is invaluable for a lot of reasons. Um, One is that things tend to happen in pretty close range for civilians, right? It it tends to be at arm's length. Yes. So you may need those skills. You may need those skills and not a firearm, depending on the situation, or you might need some combination of the two, right? But not only that, so everybody throws around the term mindset, Mm -hmm. right? And you see that used to justify all kinds of things in the training you know people say they shouldn't compete because you know it causes training scars and they're better than competitors because they have this somehow they have this difference in mindset and you hear that a lot but you can't really develop mindset shooting at targets i don't care what you're doing whatever range theatrics you're doing it's not the same thing. You're working on the skill of shooting. It's like a boxer punching a heavy bag, right? You're working on the technical aspects. Mindset, you need to do something against someone else that's non-cooperative, right? So civilians don't really have access to force on force that much, like law enforcement or military, right? But most of my mindset was developed fighting, doing martial arts, years before I ever joined the military. That combative environment, you know, against a non-cooperative opponent, I mean, obviously you're being safe, but you're both trying to defeat each other. That will carry over huge if you ever have to use a firearm in self-defense because a gunfight is still a fight, right? The gun is the, the tool you are using in the fight. It doesn't change the mental aspect of it being a fight.
2: one of the things you were talking about a little bit earlier, um, you have the potential to improve all the time, right? There's the potential to improve, but what about things get stagnant? People tend to plateau. They find a level of competence, and this is where they want to stay because the next thing's harder. So how, how would you set somebody up to train to continually improve and not just find their sweet spot that they like doing A, B, C, and D, and that's good enough? How would you set up a training program
1: for them? So as it comes to just firearms, right, my recommendation there is for them to compete in an action shooting sport. And that will provide several things, right? Now, it's not tactics. You know, it doesn't matter if it's USPSA or IDPA or an action steel match. It's all just shooting, shooting and movement, right? But those are the physical skills you need. Now, the act of doing it in competition is going to give you that impetus to try to get better at every little piece of it, right? Um, Jeff Cooper, really famous guy in the history of defensive firearms use, right? One of the guys that actually started IPSC, Jeff Cooper said that men will live and die for points. Competition is bloodless combat, right? That would be one of the underpinnings I would give them. And then what you do then is you set up kind of this feedback loop, right? So you've got your dry fire and that's where you work on most of the bulk of your technical work should be done dry, right? Then you check it in live fire, you test it in live fire, you validate it, right? And you make sure that you get that feedback loop going. And then the match is your test. Then when you shoot the match, Everybody takes video of the match to put it on Instagram or Facebook, and and that's great. But the real purpose of the video is if you've got your time, your hits, and the video, you can literally see every piece of data you need to check where you're shooting. Like I said, it's not tactics. It's not what a fight looks like, but that's not the point. It's shooting and trying to be better at shooting than everybody else. Better at the movement piece, better at the shooting piece, better at the weapons handling piece, malfunction clearances—all of that stuff comes into play. Then you take that. How did I do? Well, I didn't like my reload here. Um, I didn't set up for my position right here. You know, my uh, my transitions to small steel were too tense, and I drove past the steel and had to come back and correct. You take those errors and you work on that in your dry fire and live fire then you have this feedback loop and you will just continue to get better and better. And one thing I want to add, is, you talked about being stagnant, it is really my belief that there's no such thing as stasis, right? There's no steady state in performance. If you're not improving, you're degrading. You may be degrading slowly. It may take a long time and your set point will be different than if you had never trained. But you're not going to be able to get to a certain level and hold that level. You got to keep trying to push past it. Otherwise, you're going to keep going down.
0: This is this is just for my own G Wiz file. because um, Angela was making a point earlier about the discomfort that new shooters have coming out. And you know, I, I'm not any good at this. It, I, I can't do what these guys over here do, especially for women. Now, as, an, as a firearms instructor for 25 years, granted, the vast majority of that was law enforcement related, I always found women to be significantly easier to train than men because they didn't have the macho testosterone BS attached or they didn't have that, I've been around guns all my life. I've shot forever. And it's like, yeah, you've shot wrong.
2: Forever. I got a tactical paracord bracelet. What could you teach me?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things, but what I wanted to ask you, Matt, is, is since Angela has, has joined you, has your, has your female attendance increased? Is there a comfort level having her on the line with you? Yes, I absolutely think so. Good. Out of doubt.
3: When we started, it wasn't that um, we, we weren't really thinking that I was going to travel with him at all times. We were we were going to plan on growing into that, and I quickly realized that that we work and everything flows much better when we're together. Luckily, we love doing everything together, so um, you know uh, it's it, it's been really fun to see people improve and to have more women come to the classes. And it just it, we just continue to see people grow, um, and I think that's one of the things you you talk about. Like people are are so nervous. Even people that have been shooting for a long time and have been really training well are nervous about coming to a training class. It's they're nervous about going to a competition. That's normal. That's human nature. We're going to be nervous if we ever have to be in that event and defend ourselves.
0: Going to so say, these are all
3: things that we need to do to make ourselves comfortable in our everyday life doing all the things that we want to do. We only want to encourage ourselves to improve. So, so I
0: don't think you're going to be nervous when you <laughs> walk into the, the the biggest oh crap moment of your entire life. Right. Uh that that's that's when we have that 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 vapor lock I, I i don't ever want to be in that position to where you know i may have a split second of recognition oh crap i gotta go but it's not going to be a oh my god what am i going to do i'm i'm just petrified um but you were talk t- t- touching on those matt those are things that that you have to to mentally put yourself through those kind of reps you've got to. You know, even even you're talking about you know get out and shoot a competition, do these things, increase your increase your your magazine changes, or or do something to to stress yourself, to stretch yourself, to force a growth, or or shorten your time. You know, I get four plus four plus four from 15 yards, and I've got 20 seconds to do it. Now all of a sudden I get proficient there, and it's like, okay, I
2: get 14 seconds to do it. The world just changed a little bit, so. You know, there's, I was in competitive cycling and the definition of a bike race is two guys on a bike. So if there's two guys riding, it's always a race, right? The same thing might be just with your training partner, Um, just having somebody else out there instead of just by yourself could I think really improve some of your skill
1: sets. Especially if you make it competitive. Right? If you make it where you're, you're trying to get better than each other. If two guys Whatever. show up,
2: it's a contest. You know that.
1: Yep. And there was something I wanted to add to the whole competition thing, because I, I really am a big believer in the value of competition for defensive shooters, right, our military and law enforcement, is that I can tell you from personal experience, and it could just be the way I'm wired, but everyone else I know that has both been in combat or been in gunfights as a cop and competes at a high level says the same thing. I have never been as nervous in a gunfight as I am in a match, never. And that makes the match invaluable for that performance under pressure. It's not the same, but it doesn't have to be, right? Um, and, and I just think that's, that's so valuable, I really do. I think that's really good for people to put themselves in that uncomfortable situation where Everybody's watching you. The results are going to be on the internet. Everybody's going to be able to see them and know how you did. It, right. And you've got to perform. Performance under pressure. It, uh,
0: it, it that, that's so perfect. All all of the really critical things I was ever involved in. The the prep ahead of time, the nervousness, the the testing yourself. Gets you so focused for the, the real incident. Now, it doesn't mean that after the fact, you know, you and I go, go through a doorway and all of a sudden it's, it's chaos on the other side because you just kick in. You just do what you've been trained to do. Doesn't mean that after the fact, when, when, the, when the dust settles, we don't look at each other and go, holy crap but it's after the fact. It's not, it's not during the incident. You, you respond the way you've prepared. Well, that's the
1: definition of a hero, right? The hero gets the shakes after. Yes. Yeah. And, but that kind of, that brings us around to something that you and I were talking about before we went live on this. Right. And this is something that I, I think is so important. It's so vital, whether you're, a police officer, a soldier, somebody carrying a gun to protect yourself and your welfare. Right. You've got to get your mind right before anything happens. It's too late. Once it starts happening, you've got to rehearse the stuff in your mind and be trained and accomplished enough that, like you said, when the incident goes down, you'll simply rise to the level of your training. Yes. Right. You won't be able to somehow magically pull it out because of your mindset. You've got to have the training done. And the other important thing, and this really matters, right, is you've got to kind of understand that what happens is math. And what I mean by that is that if you're forced to shoot someone, you're forced to take their life, that wasn't your decision. That was their decision. Yes, If they had done something different, you never would have had to do that. It's simply math. If they do A, then you do B. If they do C, then you do D. Right. And if you look at it that way, it's not going to affect you negatively the same way after the fact. Right. You've got to get your mind right before it happens. Well,
0: I enjoyed card chases. I actually enjoyed going hands on. I enjoyed all of those aspects of law enforcement I, I enjoyed the high risk end of it um, once once you get a taste of that drug it's it's different there's nothing else that's the same um, but it's it's the entire preparation ahead of time it's the mindset I know guys that were involved in shootings both Per and law enforcement that were, that were absolutely justifiable, but they had never, ever put themselves in that position mentally, and, and their reactions to it were so adverse and cost them sometimes everything. I mean, they just could not cope with what they've had to do. And like I was saying, I, I loved car chases. I can drive the wheels off a car. I liked going hands-on. That, that, was, that was something I prepared for since I was a little boy. I've done it my whole life. But not once did I ever come in. I, I may come in and say, I hope I get in a car chase tonight. But I never got in a car chase because I started it. It was always in re- response to what you did. I never went hands-on until you crossed that threshold. We, I don't just walk into a call and decide I'm going to start shooting. Somebody has made a decision that they've eliminated all my other options. I, I always thought that was such an easy thing to do to train new recruits. If you know When, when can you shoot? Well, that's simple. When you have yeah. no other options left. When they've removed all the other exits for that, then I have to, then I have to go to that, that final solution. And I hope that I don't ever have to do that but I've trained an awful lot of kids that have had to. It's just one of those that as long as we're, we're understanding and we're, we're mentally prepared. Cause I'm, I'm telling you, I know guys that never got past it. And I know guys that as soon as the smoke cleared, it was like, God, I wish you wouldn't have, I wish you wouldn't have made me do that. And walked away and never blinked. And it looks cold and callous, but. That's, that's another part of that preparation. He's, he's done all the work ahead of time. And that's, that's a big deal. So I think that's a big deal for people that have never carried a firearm.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's incredibly important. And, and like you said, I mean that I'm in complete agreement with you. It's all about the other person's intent and their actions. You're not looking for a fight. You're not trying to make a fight happen. You're prepared for the fight if it happens and if you have to get in the fight you fight to win but it's not because you were looking for it you're not being a bully you're not being the aggressor right sometimes from the outside it may look like you're being the aggressor because you know something's going down yes but that's different right yeah
0: my my ability to read what's happening it doesn't it i didn't walk into it aggressive it it's it's my response to the aggression
1: um and it, but- Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but there's something that, uh, that I wanted to say that you made me think of a minute ago, right? Because, I mean, obviously as a policeman in a big city, especially, you go hands-on way more than you use your gun, right? Yeah. Um, and especially if you're, a lot of it depends on what your role is on the police department too, right? But if you're doing certain jobs in the police department, you're pretty much guaranteed to get into a lot of fights. And what I found because I'd done martial arts from childhood right is that I could typically go about 80% of what I was actually capable of and control the situation and it was it was easy right gunfights as a cop can be pretty different typically from your typical engagement as a soldier right I will never forget the first one-on-one gunfight I had as a police officer. It was just like going hands-on. It was, I was running at about 80% of what I was capable of. And that's what you're striving for. That's why, like I talked earlier about do your needs analysis, but build in a performance buffer, right? If you think you need a one-second draw from concealment, which I think is a good benchmark, right? But that one-second draw is something you can only do when you're warmed up and you're comfortable, and you're not nervous, you don't really have a one second draw, right? None of us are as good as we are in our Instagram highlights, myself included, you know? How you good are. you, what's up? Yeah,
2: you are. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> it, was all, it was all the first take, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I'm getting at, right? It's like nice. it's, sometimes it is, but my point is that how good you really are is how good you are sick, tired, surprised, not expecting it, and with your, with your adrenaline spiking through the roof, right? Not warmed up. You haven't had five runs to warm up, right? That's how good you really are. So make sure that how good you really are is still above what you need. And then you can run at like 80% for most situations, and you'll never outrun your headlights, right? You can be relatively calm amidst the chaos and control it. And that's what you're striving for.
0: Well, and my one-second draw is not necessarily my go-to when I walk in on that already. Yeah, um, your your ability to diagnose your situation is is equally as important as your skill sets. Um, it's why we always talk about the the situational awareness and. We, we spend a great deal of time with our members uh, educating on de-escalation and how to remove yourself from things because your role is different. You are not a first responder. It's a, it's a completely different scenario if you guys are all over at the house and somebody kicks in the front door, yeah. we're responding. Um, but it's, you know, I'm going to the grocery store and something happens there. If I can get out of that situation, I get out of it. Again, my, my, my role is different now. I'm, I'm a civilian concealed carrier. I know what kind of tools I had available on my belt on the street, but now stepping into that other realm where I'm just out with the family Um Let's let's start talking. Uh, a little bit about your every everyday carry stuff because nice I've got a I've got a, a dear dear friend of mine that manufactures holsters, owns a holster company, does their thing, and they do an amazing array of handguns. It's just off the charts how many guns they actually service, and even still, you'll get somebody that. Hey, I just got my, my CCW and blah, blah, blah. And I wanted to see if you could build this for my Glock 43, but it's got, it's got uh, a light and, and a Romeo Pro dot. And I'm not opposed to any of those things, but again, what is your mission? Why, what, what all are you building in and factoring in on, on your stuff? What do you guys recommend? I'm a brand new shooter. I don't have anything else. I I'm, I'm ready to make the the plunge and and purchase a handgun and start training. So,
1: so I would say the important thing, the, the first thing you have to realize when you're looking at your, your everyday kit, right. Is what am I going to actually be willing to carry? A lot of times you see pocket dumps that are a bit unrealistic, you know, um, what will you actually comfortably wear and carry, right? And I'm, I'm lucky because I'm tall and I'm kind of built like an orangutan. So I carry a five-inch gun most days, but that's not what she carries. And it's not what I would recommend for most people. I just do it because I'm used to it. And if I'm used to carrying something that makes me more effective, then I'm going to carry it, right? But the flip side is, if I'm just driving two blocks to the grocery store, I'll grab a little small single stack 9 mm 1911 that I've got, it's about that big and clip it into my sweatpants. Right. So it's not, it has to be what you're, what you can do for your environment, for what you're wearing and what you're comfortable hearing. Um, the gun you choose, as long as it's a quality firearm, you can learn to run that gun. Right. So you want to find something that suits you and just work on it, work on it well. It, it truly is the Indian not the arrow where that's concerned I, I agree um I get guys that
0: that call in all the time and say what do you recommend well i i don't recommend anything for you because i don't know anything about your physical capabilities i don't know anything about your hand size i don't you know there there's a lot of sigs out there that got a great big old huge grip on them and and never gonna work in angela's hands maybe yeah. they do i don't know but my thing is there's plenty there's plenty of ranges around that I can go in and I can rent a gun. So go in and grab two and and make notes that I liked this about it. Fit really nicely in my hand. You know, the old six, I used to carry a P220 and, and there was a lot of muzzle flip in that gun. Maybe not the most, most ideal thing for, for a, a new shooter that, that doesn't know how to manage recoil yet. So, make make your notes and do your things and and get everything prepped depending on where i'm going i may have an extra mag on me as well but if if i've got all that i, I probably got a, a soft t tourniquet on me as well and i my truck has always got a med bag in it so i'm not ever just alone i'm far more cap- I'm, I'm far more likely to run across a significant injury on a car wreck than i am get in a shooting at the mall or something.
1: Well, and that kind of brings us back to what kind of training people should seek out. It's not just shooting, right? Yeah. Um, you should have some medical training. You know, it doesn't have to be a whole lot, but Stop the Bleed is a great program. Something analogous to that is what you need. Um, you need to be able to go hands-on to some degree if your health and fitness allows, right? You know what the biggest benefit of most martial arts training is? learning to fall without breaking your bones. Yes. You know, I've used break falls as much as anything else in the real world, right? So all of those things are important. As far as like going back to what you carry, it's not just about the gun there either, right? Um, You should have a small flashlight, in my opinion. You should have a small knife, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, I typically carry a spare magazine, not because not because reloads are statistically important to a CCW carrier because they're not, but I'm just used to it. I did it for so many years that it doesn't bother me. So why not? Right. Um, Plus I carry appendix now and the the spare mag kind of balances things out, makes it easier to not print and makes it a little more comfortable. Actually Um, I do carry a full size gun with a light, but once again, I'm used to it. Yes. Yeah. It's not, necessarily what you have to do, right? I think you should have a flashlight. You don't necessarily have to have one in your gut in your role as a CCW person. If you're comfortable, why not? But it doesn't it doesn't make or break you.
3: Well, and for men and women, it's different. Um, I mean, I know for me, if I were to carry um, my full size Staccato P with a light that I shoot in our training classes appendix, um, I would look like I was pregnant. Um, I would print very, very badly and it's not something that I would even feel comfortable doing. Um, so when I started getting into the conceal carry, I really had the mindset of, I'm gonna get one gun, I'm gonna get one holster, and I'm gonna get one belt, and it's all gonna work. Um, I was very foolish. Um, I don't even know how many holsters I went through. Um, I can tell you I went through several guns um, I had a SIG that I thought was going to be great for a carry, but as a petite woman, if you try to carry that, it pulls your pants down. So that doesn't really work. So you can go to a range and you can try the guns and you can shoot them, which is extremely important, but there's a step beyond it. That's going to go in a holster. You're going to wear that. And there's going to be a lot of other things that go with it. There's going to be a belt that you're going to have to find that's comfortable, holsters for different situations i don't always carry um my staccato seed. i have a ruger 380 with a little clip on it and it's got a trigger ky- kydex trigger guard that is my favorite thing to carry now um could he shoot it no he would shoot his fingers off
1: um <laughs> my, my thumb literally sticks past the muzzle on it when i love it
3: um so so what's different but But that's not something I do all the time. And and for women, we we wear a lot of different outfits where men pretty much have a similar type of wardrobe that they're going to have. So um, there's a lot that can go into it. I always carry a knife. Um, I always have a flashlight. If it's not on me, I usually have one on me and in my purse. It just depends on what I'm wearing, where I'm going. So again, it really has to do with each person What their function is every day, what their wardrobe is every day, what's comfortable for them every day and and what they want to do with it every
1: day. And their environment. Yeah. And like everybody talks about how you shouldn't carry off body. Right. But for women, sometimes that's the only option. So she's got a bunch of purses that she's figured out places to put the gun. You know, some were designed for it and some were just, you know, side pockets that she can use for that.
3: And some I've sewn a place in for the holster to clip in. So it's it's super sturdy for myself so I can grab it.
1: I mean, you know, it's, it's always better to carry on your person than off body. But if that's your only option, it's better than not having a gun. Yes, I agree. Yeah,
2: you mentioned one of these. Go ahead. You mentioned one of the other things you said uh, as far as your health and fitness allows and I think it's important that that's the other part we have to take into consideration that carrying a firearm isn't supposed to be making up for other things that we should do, you know, a lot of times, you know, it, it's a responsibility that we have to make sure that we're in the best shape possible that we're not becoming a liability that somebody takes a pistol out and it gets slapped out of their hands and that's a whole other game. So I think that that's another aspect, as you mentioned, the martial arts portion that uh, we really need to take care of is our health and our fitness. All, you know, all three with your mindset, health, fitness mindset. I think that should be the foundation before you start adding equipment to it.
3: Well, I mean, and it's not everybody can do martial arts. I mean, everybody has a different age and depending where you are in your life, let's just be honest, stay, moving, get moving. And if you have to start, and it means just that everything, like we're all at a different point in our lives, but we can always make an attempt to get better wherever we are. So if that means just starting movement and and putting one foot in front of the other and seeing what you like, that's what we need to do.
1: And I think that that's a good point too, that Angela just made, because in my mind, it's not, it's not about just carrying a gun. It's the mindset of trying to be prepared for what life throws at you, right? And then the flip side of that coin is, it's about improving yourself in every aspect. I mean, it really is, right? To me, shooting is completely a martial art, you know? And it should be looked at that way. And it's how can I make myself a better version of me than I was yesterday, right? How can I continue to improve? And roles change. Like you and I used to have a different role than we do now, yeah. right? But so my priorities change, my need analysis changes. it doesn't mean I'm not still improving, you know? I may not be working on exactly the same things I was working on when I was on the SWAT team in Chicago mm-hmm. or when I was in SF, but I'm working on things all the time to get better. And if you look at your life that way, you're going to be better prepared to handle whatever life throws at you. You know, back back to the martial arts
0: aspect. Early, early on, it was such an anxiety filled thing for me. Fueled on the competition, the win loss. How how am I doing? Oh my gosh, Matt just beat the crap out of me.
2: And as you probably literally too,
0: (laughs) yeah. As you mature. And you and you continue to study and advance I I come to the understanding that the competition is me and Matt's given me the benefit of allowing him to test where I'm at, test how far I've come and'll I'll do the same for him. It's the whole mutual welfare and benefit thing that one of the principles of judo um, but it's it's we are. Iron sharpens iron. That's just how you get there.
1: Well, and you you want to seek out the people that can take your lunch money. Like that's that's who you want to train with. The most improvements and, made there. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. When when I shoot matches, I want to shoot against the best. JJ. <laughs> yeah, I've shot against JJ in a in a training class. My God, um, <laughs> yeah, he's a good example, right? You know, but JJ, Ben Stager, um, all these guys, right? Robert Vogel, you know, I, I've shot with all these guys and yeah, they, they smoke me, but that makes me better, right? Um, doing martial arts, when you're, you're dojo, you you don't want to just beat up on the new guys. You want to seek out the guy that beats up on you because that's, that's how you learn or even this is something most people can't even see, right? Because they don't have the educated eye. But when you watch somebody who's really good, really good, and they're training with someone who's not as good as them, you put yourself in a position of disadvantage and then work out. Right? And that's giving the guy who's not as good as you an advantage. But you're doing that on purpose so that you can get better. All the time. You see that all the time in judo, jiu-jitsu, you know, people will put themselves in a bad situation so that they can work out of it intentionally. So they can work on that aspect. And it's the same thing with shooting, right? Like you, you go to a, a nationals and you're, you're putting yourself like the last nationals I shot was a PCC nationals a couple of years ago. because so I've been too busy to do it since, but they had a swinger target at 60 yards. I mean, that's not something you normally shoot. Right. Yeah. But that's the kind of situation you wanna put yourself in. Um, I'm a huge fan of intentionally very difficult drills in training, no matter what you're training for. It's something you have to be judicious about because some people it can disheart, right? Can burn them out if you do it too much. But the right amount of it, no matter how your psyche works will make you better, right? And you just gotta learn to just be comfortable with not being able to do it until you figure it out. Well, you you become
0: comfortable in your discomfort. Uh, that that makes me good. That that's what takes me to that next step. So, um, there was another thing that that Angela had had mentioned earlier, and it, and it was discussion on uh, preparation for your family for worst case scenario. <clears throat>
1: I used to play a game with my son when he was young mm-hmm. and I would tell him to get down. And in the car, that meant he would get out of his child's seat and go into the bottom part of the floorboard and make himself as small as into. Yeah. Yeah. right? In the house, if I said that, yes. there was a refrigerator in the basement and his job was to run down into the basement and get between the refrigerator And the concrete wall in the basement. What I was doing was, I was playing a game with him to make him get in the safest possible situation. I had to use my gun. You know, if somebody tried to carjack us, if somebody came into the house, I was making sure he was prepared for that. If we were out walking around, he knew to either get behind me or get behind something solid. I would ask, like, he would know if it was cover or concealment. I'd make sure he understood. And to him, it was just a game. He was like four or five years old. But the game had value because I knew I could make sure he was safe. If I had to use my gun. We
0: had uh, Tony Blower on several weeks back now. And I don't know if you ever were familiar with him and his spear yeah. system. But Tony's super good, super, super good, very passionate about what he does. And one of the stories that he shared with Phil and I, that's just so cool because it's, those training things that you do with your family, like you're saying, it's a game. You don't even necessarily know that it's training or as a dad, I don't always know that it sticks. You know, it's just dad, but they actually had a home invasion robbery at their home. You you select Tony Blower's residence to go do a home invasion. Well, you're, he wasn't there your choice in victimology kind of sucks, but yes, he was not home at the time and he's got a son and a daughter and his wife and they were home and his son is in a position that he could intervene, but he also is, not has an understanding that if I do this, this can happen to mom. And he already had the, the intellect in that, and the decision making abilities to work himself through a critical incident i mean and you know as well as i do i i ran on hundreds of shootings it's different when it's a cop it's different when it's a it's a kid that i trained there's a different response there it's the same same way with a military unit all of a sudden my buddy goes down beside me That's not just somebody Um, and nothing is as close and as dear to us as our family. And, and to understand the stressors that are going to go on if that's the reason I'm carrying. So you have to, you know, we talked about that mental preparation. You better get right with it before you're in that position. You also better get right with it that this, this is my family that we're talking about. This is the reason I'm doing this. I'm taking this step to protect what's mine.
1: So, And that kind of brings up something else that, that I thought about a minute ago. And you kind of touched on this, but I think it's really important for people. You've got to take your ego out of it, yeah. right? This isn't high school. You're not on the playground in high school proving how tough you are. Your goal is to make sure you and your loved ones are OK. And if that means in public, letting somebody be a jackass to your face, how have they affected me? How have they harmed me? They haven't harmed me a bit. But if I escalate it because my ego gets involved and my emotions get involved, not only can it become violence, but then I'm no longer calm. I'm no longer acting like my training tells me to because my emotions are now invested. Now I'm angry and I'm going to make mistakes. And that's not what you want. Violence is chaotic and unpredictable. And you can be the best fighter, shooter, toughest guy in the world, and something random can happen and you can lose. Our loved ones can be hurt. Right. All the skill in the world does not ensure that all the risk is mitigated. You've seen,
2: we've probably seen several of the videos where the bad guy is running away and throws a bullet over his shoulder and hits the guy. I mean, yeah. I've seen that happen several times. It's like, how did that
1: happen? Well, yeah. I used to always joke when I was teaching for the police department or for the Army, right, that I wasn't worried at all about the bullet with my name on it. I'd literally been training for that. My entire life, but the one that reads to whom it may concern, that one scares me a lot. Right. <laughs> and there's this random chaotic nature of violence. So you don't I mean the point is not to be a tough guy. The point is to protect you and your loved ones. And to not let people be a victim. That's the point. And if you have to step in to prevent someone from being a victim. Yes, absolutely. But someone puffing up their chest and posturing. Why engage with that and allow it to become violence if it's not necessary?
0: I uh, had a partner when I was working robbery and just hopping in a detective car, it's unmarked, we're going to lunch and all of a sudden you get some yahoo that just loses his mind and you have a road rage incident. I get out of the way for those guys. I'm just going to move. I'm just yeah. And and he would always laugh and he, he has no earthly idea what's in the car next to him. <laughs> but I got to look at it like that too. I yeah. never know what the capabilities are inside that vehicle. And I I can't imagine Somebody deciding that today's the day that I'm going to pick a fight with Matt Little. I'm not what I used to be. I understand that, but I I understand violence, and I'm and I'm capable of it.
1: Um, that and anyone who's had enough experience with violence and is competent with managing violence, if they're honest with themselves, they understand the risk involved to everyone everyone around you not just you right and that's something that it, there's no reason to feed into that yeah. that's the other side of that math equation right you know if he does a he gives b but if i do a i get b too right my role matters as well and it, it's just something that you should just that should be your mindset if you're trying to mitigate a situation
0: not pick a fight yes Well, and you understand tacky psyche, you understand the psychological things that can occur that all of a sudden drastically speeds up, or it just goes into absolute slow motion for me, or I get auditory exclusion, or my visual cone comes down so incredibly. I can't tell you how many times that I went through a door with people that we go out and brief. And they have no clue what they did. And the world slowed down for me. And I had the ability. And I can't, I can't give credit to anything other than just the training and repetitions that I had. But the world slowed down for me. And I saw everything going on.
1: And, and that's important, right? Because you know you talk about the big three. Everybody talks about this. Auditory exclusion, tachypsychia, and tunnel vision, right? Yeah. Tunnel vision and auditory exclusion are trainable. You can train that away. Yes. You can train to where that no longer happens. I disagree with the way people usually describe it. I don't think it's time slowing down. It's that things become timeless. Mm-hmm. And that's what people have talked about. The samurai in the 1500s, you know, the Stoics, right? That's what all the warrior philosophers throughout history have described. And it's no different than what sports psychologists say now it's a flow state, it's the zone, right? That is a direct byproduct of proper training and mental preparation. And that's where you want to be if something happens, that kind of timeless feeling. I
0: had a uh, really high level instructor in the area here. His son's Rafael Lovato Jr., world champion, black belt, jiu practice practitioner, amazing young man, great, great citizen. Uh, his dad is just exactly the same, Rafael Sr. And his, his saying was, if you absolutely, positively cannot avoid a fight, relax and enjoy it. Yep. You'll understand that. People that haven't been in that position don't but the ability to relax and breathe and process
1: can save your life. So. And it should feel like you're functioning at about 80 to 90% yes. of when you're pushing and training. Yeah. You're not- and that's where you want to be because then you don't make mistakes. If yeah. you try to do that hundred, 110%, like you're trying to improve your skill, you'll make errors. But if you just allow the skill you've built to manifest, it will. And you just have to find that mental place where you can do that but you do redline in in training yes oh Uh, yeah gotta push
0: well absolutely redline and and because you'll never get there to to that uh baseline if you don't you just don't
1: you have to build a transmission in your head you have to have different gears right yeah and like i've got most people you want a gear where you're pushing and a gear where you're just allowing it to happen. And that doesn't mean you're being lazy or being slow or being overly careful with your technique. It just means you're just allowing what you've trained to come out, right? I'm working now where I find I've got several different ones, right? So I've got training where I'm trying to improve a skill is like 110% because I'm missing the skill, you know, three, four times out of 10, at least. So I'm trying to get better, right? Then you've got your, like if I go to a match, I'm going about 90 to 95% because I want to win the match. And the, the cost of making an error is different. So I don't want to lay back. I want to go at my absolute best where I'm going to mitigate most of my mistakes. Right. Right. But then the application gear is underneath that because the penalty for making an error is so much greater. So that's like 80, 85, 90% of the most, right? And it this is something that you can't really comprehend at the beginning of your training. You know, you can either push or kind of try to hold it together, but having that distinct kind of gear shift in your head is something that you build over time, but you really do need to work on it. And it's something you actually have to consciously work on, because otherwise, it's really easy to get stuck at one hundred and ten percent and start making mistakes and red line, like you said earlier.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's the difference between
1: kind of approaching it
0: analytically and and just carelessly. Yeah, um, like you were talking about the 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 advanced martial artist uh, moving with with somebody that's much lower ranked and very purposely placing themselves into compromised positions. But it, it's a very analytical, thought out, you know, let's, let's get here and let's do this. One of my favorite guys to roll with, we we got to the point where we, unless it was a joint lock or something, uh, we, we had a get out or go out clause between us. So if, if somebody gets a choke locked up, fight your way through this there that's the only way you're ever going to learn to really come out of it just because it's tight doesn't mean you got to tap and we did that for a long time but we also developed to the point where where we knew where that where that danger line really truly was
1: well and that ability to be relaxed in conflict is huge right i can't tell you how many times as a cop I would be in a physical confrontation with someone and they would literally burn themselves out. Yes. And all I had to do was just dominate them until they literally just exhausted themselves because they were so tense, so panicked, so redlined that their body couldn't maintain it. Foot chases. Yeah, 60 seconds. Yeah, I used to, I wouldn't try to run faster than the guy in the foot chase. I would match his pace exactly because he was panicking Mm -hmm. and I was in better shape. So he would just wear himself out and then have no energy to fight. Yes. So it might take me a block longer than if I tried to run faster, but the end result was much easier. Yes. Yeah. Bonus for you.
0: <laughs> um, Angela, tell me a little bit. You, I, you're, you're branching out. You're doing some training things.
3: Um, well, we, we have started to realize that there's a lot more, lot more of a need for beginner training Um a lot of people, when they, when they vet their instructors, which is something that I think is very important. We didn't talk about it too much, but it's very important that you figure out who you're getting your training from, uh, that it matches your goals. Um, And when people come to a grade word, actual class, they are, they're not beginner classes. Um, So we've realized there's obviously there's a lot more gun owners. There's a lot more um, people who are carrying now and, there's a need for beginner classes. So I will be doing some uh, women's only, we have some adjunct instructors who are going to be doing one day classes as well uh, throughout the country. Um, but I really feel that there is a need for an environment that is, now I'm, I'm not saying that if you have no other choice that a public range um, is terrible. But I personally did not learn at a public range, and I think that's why I um, did not get so nervous, did not get so scared, wasn't um, nervous about coming back, was actually excited to learn to train. Um, I wasn't nestling to all the loud sounds, which is, the, to me personally, the most common thing that people think about training. And that is not necessarily what a training class is. Um, And I think that goes for everybody that's looking into training. Um, If you don't know and you've never been, then how can you say, you know, you got to you got to try. So there's a lot of women who want to learn how to train. They've learned from their uncle or their husband or their brother um, who typically get very upset with them real quickly and have no patience. Um, So, which is something that I hear. Um, I did not experience that. But to have the camaraderie of women together, feeling free to ask questions, asking about caring, and feeling comfortable in an environment just saying, I've, I've had a woman in my class who didn't even want to shoot, She wanted to be there, she wanted to learn, but she did not actually want to shoot. And you know what, that's okay. That's totally okay. That's her comfort level. And that's going to take her to the next level or she's going to decide that she doesn't want to do that. Um, but yes, we've, we've decided that it was very important to branch out. We're just getting started. Um, our schedule, our grade schedule is, is pretty busy. So I'm not sure where I'm going to be able to poke those classes in. Um, I have a couple of private ones that I'm already doing throughout the year. Um, but, uh, I think it's very important and I always, we always say with training and us um, with our company, if you have any questions, and women, you have any questions at all, and you find someone that seems to be very knowledgeable, reach out and talk to them. You can ask questions. You can always reach out to me. You can always reach out to Matt um, and ask questions about our training or or things that you would, recommendations that you're looking for or and we may not have the answers, but at least we can guide you to m- what might be your next step for you.
0: Yeah. That, that, that's so important. Now you guys, you guys are in the lineup again for Guardian Conference this year in September. Is that correct? That is yes. Good. Yeah. I thought that was a, I thought that was a fantastic opportunity for people to kind of get that one-stop shop. You know, I, you could get medical, you could get legal stuff, you could get Less lethal stuff. You could get uh, some some force on force stuff, all levels of shooting. So I, I was so impressed with with the way Jacob had that set up.
3: It was it, it was, was phenomenal.
1: It was run really well too. Everything was smooth and efficient, handled very well, which is huge because then you don't have the distractions from the training. Like yeah, you sometimes do.
3: And it was very different from what we normally do. I mean, we we don't do one day classes. When I do the women's classes, there are one days, but we don't, the Greybird Actual doesn't do one day classes. We don't do four hour blocks. So this was a very different approach to it. And we, we really enjoyed it. It was fun to see each group come in, um, the different backgrounds, the different minds that they have. Um, And I, I really think each person got something out of the course and it was, it really was just for a shooting conference run together for their first year. Yeah. Yeah. It was phenomenal. Highly recommend it.
0: Well, and people don't realize, um, we lost Jacob. He got, he got really sick. Yeah. He wasn't even in attendance and man, he has got, he's got some great guys in his outfit. Um, everybody, it was like everybody pulling on the same rope. Um, Mm -hmm. Great, great teamwork to make that thing go off. Oklahoma City in September, we could have 35 degrees and high winds or, or 90 plus, like we like we had out there. Um, but we were prepared for all of it, so it went really well. Um, how do how do people get a, get a hold of you guys? How do we uh, I I, I want to go do a grade beer at actual class. Where so am I- sorry. <laughs>
2: So you have to you have to say it clear, it's Graybeard Actual, not tactical. I had to look at yes. this. Yeah.
1: Graybeard Actual. Yeah. Actual. I wanted I wanted a name that wasn't, you know, the usual super macho tactical, you know. It, I wanted it to mean something and I wanted it to be kind of unique. Mm-hmm. And like I said, there's a war story behind it. It's a story from my time in Afghanistan behind the name. But it's Graybeard Actual on the Internet.com. Graybeardactual.com. You can spell gray either way for that. I bought both uh, URLs. So, and it's uh, graybeard underscore actual on Instagram and graybeard actual on Facebook. Um, and like Angela said, you know, anybody can reach out if they have any questions. The class schedule is up on the website. It's it's pretty busy this year and already well into the next year.
3: Yeah, so, we, we typically, our schedule is we try to do, um, We're doing about one open enrollment class a month. There's um, law enforcement training throughout that. So sometimes there's two law enforcement, sometimes there's two open enrollment, sometimes there's a conference, but um, yeah, this this year is is pretty booked up. Um, We will not be adding any more open enrollment classes. So if you are interested in taking a class, um, I would recommend jumping on it fairly soon because a lot of them are, if not half full, almost, actually they're almost all full. So anyway, um, it's graveyardactual.com. You can email us through info at graybeardactual If you have any questions, um, I am Vixen underscore actual on Instagram. I'm Angela Lee little on Facebook. Um, I manage all of it. So if you reach out to one of us, you might just get me anyway. So, um, uh, any questions? And again, if you're looking to host us and you have a range or you're looking for someone that's, you know, someone in your area that's looking to have classes, reach out to us. I'm scheduling 2023 and 2024 and we travel all over. So um, we are based in Texas right now, but we really only do about one open enrollment class in each state of year.
0: Thank you guys so very much for, for coming on. Um, this was exactly what I was expecting you guys to provide for us. So, uh, it's a wealth of stuff for our members. Um, again, I cannot thank you guys enough for jumping on. Good to see you brother. Um, as always, anybody that's got questions, comments, concerns, critiques about Phil, uh, Any suggestions that you'd like to hear about, uh, you can reach me directly. It's rob at ccwsafe.com. And we thank everybody for tuning in and look forward to seeing you guys next week. So Matt, Angela, thank you guys so very much. Thank you. Thank you. Had a great time.